HuntStand is the most popular and functional mobile hunting app on the market. With a variety of base maps to choose from, satellite imagery that is updated every month, the ability to check the weather, no property information, and even catalog your trail cam picks, HuntStand even gives you the ability to import pins and location markers from other mobile apps. Visit HuntStand.com or download wherever you download your apps. Enter discount code SN20 at checkout for 20% off. All right, guys, welcome to today's show. And joining me on the show today, I've got a very special guest. His name is Brandon Adams. And Brandon, he, I mean, he's kind of a legend in his own right because he has done something that nobody in Oklahoma has ever done before. And in fact, I don't believe they've done since. I'm not going to spoil what that is, but I'm going to let him talk about that here in just a minute. This is going to be an awesome episode, though, because he, in Oklahoma, I mean, people don't really think of Oklahoma as an amazing hunting state or like a awesome big game state, but they have so many cool opportunities there that Brandon is going to dive into with us on this episode of the podcast. And I'm super pumped about it. So instead of me continuing to ramble, let's just jump into this one. Here we go. Like he was doing things that were just badass. That was one of the coolest moments of my life. I was really scared, but knowing that Dan had the gun, I did have the rifle, like, we would be okay. All right, guys, so I am constantly getting asked about the gear that I'm using, and the great news is that I've got it all listed out on Go Wild. Now, if you listen carefully, I'm going to tell you how you can get a $10 gift card to use toward picking up some new gear. Go Wild is a free social community where your photos aren't censored, they're actually encouraged. So much so that Go Wild will give you points for things like sharing your trophies, gear reviews, and inviting friends. Now, as you earn those points, you can unlock awesome rewards like gift cards and free swag, knives, huge discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex, and so much more. Also, check this out. If you create a free account, you can unlock $10 just for trying it out. So go visit DownloadGoWild.com to get started. All right, guys, welcome to today's show. And joining me on the show today is Brandon Adams. Now, he's actually in my neighboring state, which I love getting to talk to people that close to home. But uh, Brandon, I know I know life's busy because you're not only in the outdoor industry, but you've got a lot of other things going on. So thanks for taking the time to hop on the show with me. No, I, I appreciate the invitation and uh, I look forward to, to talking some outdoors. It's definitely a, a nice break from uh, <laughs> living the outdoor life as far as uh, editing and production work. <laughs> you know, I like to take a break and talk about outdoors. <laughs> you know, yeah. I love this stuff. So. Man, and that's what I try to tell people when they when they talk about getting into the outdoor industry. Like, fortunately for for me, I get to do a lot of talking. You know, I mean, with podcasting, it's just talking and hearing stories, which I could do all day, every day. Uh, but in addition to that, I get to go out and actually do some hunting. But I feel like with any job, once you do it over and over and over, it's kind of like, oh, man, I've got to do it again. I've got to do it again. I never feel that way about actually hunting, but then creating the content during or after. It can get monotonous still. Well, the... I've been, I've been in the hunting industry since 06 and the, the, the trips, like being away from family that can get pretty monotonous, uh, for sure. You know, cause you know, my family, I got two little girls, uh, 14 and 11 and, you know, I happen to like both of them and I happen to happen to like my wife too. And, <laughs> you know, so being gone seven, 10, 15 days at a time, sometimes even more, you know, that's not always fun or, you know, being yeah. gone 18 days and then coming home. And then two days later, you got to leave for another, you know, seven day trip. And, you know, that, that stuff definitely can get tiring and, and whatnot. But of course the, <laughs> it, it always seems like once you're in the field and the sun's coming up and, you know, you're actually in the moment, um, things tend to work themselves out, but, uh, the, the, it, it, it's kind of like, uh, it's like this, this is, this is a, a decent way of looking at it. I'm, not afraid of heights whatsoever okay but i'm afraid of the thought of heights 
Okay. Yep. So I could be laying in bed. Oh, you know them videos like on YouTube and Instagram where like people have that uh, like a POV camera, real wide angle, and yep. they're like running along a, a cliff edge, riding a bike along, you know, a, a, a Razorback or something. Yeah. That freaks me out. Like the thought of it freaks <laughs> me out. Like I'll be laying in bed and get like scared in bed <laughs> thinking about that. But when I'm on the when I'm on an actual mountain on some rim rock overlooking a 600 foot drop, I'm the person that's leaning over looking down, you know, uh, that's, that's kind of the same thing with, uh, with these hunting trips is like, I dread actually leaving my family. Uh, but then whenever I'm, you know, in motion, it, it, it all seems like that's where, you know, not that where I'm supposed to be, but like, you know, I definitely feel my element. So, yeah, man, that's really interesting. Cause I feel like I'm, almost the opposite in both i when when i see those videos i'm like holy cow that's insane uh it i don't i don't necessarily get scared um i'm like man those guys are idiots i would never do that but it, it's not like a fear that comes over me when i'm out there i don't go anywhere near it i'm like right. dude i'm like you guys do it even well actually sometimes my buddies will get out and they'll like sit on the edge dangle their feet off and i'm like nope I, I think you, I think you're an idiot. I think you should back away. Um, but then also with with hunting and leaving for trips, I I am super excited about the trip. Like looking forward to elk season every year. I'm like, man, I can't wait to get out there. Leading up to it, there's those uh, there's like the excitement. I'm not I'm not necessarily thinking about man. I'm gonna miss my family. But as soon as I'm away, like that first night where I'm sleeping away from home. I'm like, dang, I really miss them. Like, right. I can't wait to be back. So it's kind of like the same. We're experiencing the same thing, but in a different order. Yeah. There's probably some like Freudian reasoning for that. Like some hardwiring stuff. Oh yeah. Uh, but yeah, that, that, that is the exact opposite of me for sure. How, I mean, you're kind of in and out of things all the time. Like you said, you might be gone for a couple weeks, be back for two days, be gone again. Uh, how many states are you traveling to each year? Oh man, uh, probably on average six to seven states, eight states for for like just normal big game stuff, elk, whitetail, and mule deer. Uh, this year, I, I, I got a I got a huge schedule. I actually have canceled five different turkey hunts, out of state turkey hunts because. Jeez of my big game schedule is so significant. I, I, and, and I value my, my marriage. <laughs> so <laughs> I want to, I want to pick and choose the days that I'm gone uh, carefully. And so I, I canceled the turkey hunts to go on the big game stuff. Like we're going, um, well, first of all, I'm going to uh, Mexico like in a week for uh, a turkey hunt. And I'm going there because the guys, uh, he has a coup, he has a coos operate operation as well. And I want to kind of rub elbows and see if I can get me a coos hunt lined up. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, we got, oh, I'm doing, I'm doing this deal in Texas where I'm killing six big game animals in Texas, uh, all hopefully knock on wood, killing six game animals there. And then I'm, I got South Africa, which is a, a freaking dream of mine. So, uh, I got Dang. that. And then of course the normal, the, Oh, I'm going to Hawaii in July and hunting axis and, and sheep. So. Oh my goodness. That is that that's one of the things that I'm going to dive into is finding more of these tropical hunting opportunities because my wife loves the beach. And I think right. I, could get a, I could get away with a lot more trips if she was in tow and just got to hang out in a lawn chair on the beach, like the whole time I'm hunting. I don't think she, she probably wouldn't think about me a single time. She'd be making TikToks with her feet in the water and, and I wouldn't even be on her mind. So see, that's, would... that's being strategic about it, man. You gotta, you gotta <laughs> do it. Yeah. Yeah. I talked to a guy the other day actually about, um, spear fishing and I was like, dude, that's a perfect thing to get into. I've never done it. I really want to. Um, I'm really excited, especially after talking to him, but I was like, man, I'm going to be in the water, which means my wife can be close to the water. And it's a win-win. Uh, when I go to Colorado in the winter, she's not a fan at all. So, right. Well, really, you're doing her a favor if you take her to the beach and hunt. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. I'm looking out for her. I'm just yeah. hunting as a bonus. <laughs> right. 
she actually i'm i'm taking her there that's the main part of the well of the journey, no so. it's not even a bonus like it, it's it's it, you know you will do your time if you will and, <laughs> and, and make the sacrifice to take her to the beach and you know and, and while you're taking her to the beach you're going to give her a little alone time because she needs to relax you know yeah yeah i'm so, i'm I'm biting the bullet so that my wife yep. can relax and enjoy herself. It's really, it's really uh, courageous of you to do that. And uh, thank so, you. <laughs> Self-sacrifice. <laughs> Man, on that note, we've uh, the guys that I elk hunt with, I go out to Colorado for rifle season every year, hoping to switch things up soon. I don't think I'll ever step away from that season just because I love the camaraderie and hanging out with those guys. But I really want to start archery hunting uh mm-hmm. that's that's something i have yet to do but the guys that i go with it's funny because their wives have formed a support group of sorts and they <laughs> all get together like a couple nights while we're gone for that nine day hunt they'll get together and i'll hang out and watch a movie or cook or bake or something and uh i'm like man that's good i feel like we need to just start an emotional support page or group just for our wives for when we're on all these trips Yes, that's a big 10-4. I'm gone from my wife about 100, more than 100 days a year. So Dang. she, I mean, she's a, she's a single mom for about a third of the year. So she definitely could actually use a support group. <laughs> yeah, my, I've, got, I've got a lot of friends actually in the industry that do uh, videography or photography. And th- they're in the same boat. They're like, man, you know, I'm gone a lot. The nice thing is I get to be home. Like when I'm home, it's they've got editing and stuff to do, but it's not like they're having to leave the house to go to their job when yep. they're actually around. Um, but when they're gone, they're fully gone, like completely out of pocket sometimes in the middle of nowhere, no service. Uh, and I feel like that'd be a little more tough. Like right now I do pretty simple hunts where I can, where I can get a hold of my wife, where I can um, get to service easily you know, get up to the top of a mountain on a four wheeler and call or something like that. But being gone that many days and not having any contact during the time or during most of it would be really difficult. Yeah. Most of the places that I go and have gone in the past, most of them have had, you know, some type of cell phone service. Uh, of course there's been several trips where there's none, you know, there, I remember, uh, the first time I went to Canada, we we had self i am the only one that had cell phone service and and we use my phone and i get back and there's like a 600 hundred dollar phone bill you know from because <laughs> everyone else is using my phone too to call yeah. their family uh but then the next time we went i was like i ain't doing that again that was dumb and uh and so you know that that was like a 15 day trip with no communication though those are tough Dang. those are real tough because like i said earlier i happen to happen to enjoy my family so yeah yeah, it's good. I mean, I'm excited for for my kids to get into hunting, to get into the outdoors. Like we go camping all the time together. We go float the rivers, but once they're actually old enough to enjoy camping or like put the miles in, I think it's going to be a lot of fun cuz my wife is slowly getting into it. She's not 100%, but she's killed her first deer now, so I feel like that's at least a start. Right. Um, so being over in Oklahoma, I mean, I know you travel all the time, but there are a ton of opportunities for hunting in Oklahoma. And uh, would you mind sharing with the listeners a little bit about your accomplishment killing the five big game animals and uh, and explain kind of how that went down? Yeah, so Oklahoma is an extremely diverse state. I mean, it's kind of overlooked, uh, you know, because most people don't even think about Oklahoma. Because why would you think of Oklahoma <laughs> in, in your in, in your everyday life? Uh, but like from the southeastern part of the state to the to the tip of the Panhandle is about a wide as variety of terrain and vegetation as you can imagine. The down in southeastern Oklahoma, we got these big ma- mountains, the Washita Mountains, uh, that you know, have 3000 foot peaks, like, you know, from the bottom to the top, you know, 2,500, 3000 foot, like, you know, you feel like you're in, uh, Colorado or New Mexico, something at Montana, you feel like that they're pine covered mountains and it's just beautiful. Uh, and then, you know, as you travel across the state and traverse, uh, you know, um, the, 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 the width of the state, 
it, it turns into like where I live, right in the middle of the state where the cross timbers, this is type of the ecosystem where the big timber meets the Great Plains. And you just go a little bit further west of like Oklahoma City, which is right in the middle of the state. You know, it starts turning into the plains where that's what people think of when they think of Oklahoma. It's, you know, like flat, open country. Uh, that's really where it starts to happen is the middle and central part or the western part of the state. And then you go in the tip of the panhandle from the middle of the panhandle to the west end of the very tip of the panhandle is the flattest. I've traveled a lot and it is the flattest stretch of earth I've ever been on <laughs> for that, for like a 50 mile stretch. Dang. It's like you're on a sea. This is the way I describe it. It's like you're on the ocean, but it's dirt. Everywhere you look is a straight line. Everywhere around is a straight line. Uh, the, and when you're driving down the road, you can be driving 80 and it, you know, it, does, it feels like it doesn't, you don't have any clue how fast you're going. Uh, the only the only indicator you have is the the dots on the highway and the and the power lines if there happens to be any by you. So uh, anyway, the, what that allows that 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 diverse eco, all those diverse ecosystems allows for a variety of wildlife. And I'm very proud of our state and the ODWC for for cultivating uh, a diverse amount of wildlife. And we have five big game tags, all over the counter tags. Uh, in our state, and uh, the species are uh, whitetail mule deer, pronghorn, black bear, and elk. And uh, the black bear are primarily in southeastern, in the eastern part of the state. Uh, elk are actually everywhere, technically. There's actually a statewide season for those, but the, the biggest population is uh, in southwestern Oklahoma, and actually in the tip of the panhill, too, has a really healthy population. Uh, Mule deer are in the northwestern part of the state. Uh, whitetail obviously are everywhere, and then pronghorn are on the the western half of the panhandle. On, um, and what you were kind of alluding to earlier, uh, back a few years ago, I decided to embark on an adventure, <laughs> and uh, that was to try to get all five of those in one season. And uh, at the time, I didn't know if anyone had ever tagged all five you know, in the state. Uh, but I was going to try to do it all in one year, all with a bow. And I was very fortunate to, uh, basically, you know, pull it off, so to speak. Uh, I got, uh, I got the, the, and the, and the, and the, the tricky part of it is, is, is scheduling. Not, well, first of all, is <laughs> aligning all the access to these properties with these, with these animals one, but uh, the the next tricky part is lo the logistics of actually getting it done because you have a, a very finite amount of time to actually hunt because uh, all the seasons basically open up on October the 1st. Uh, and then the the three harder ones, which is the, the bear, elk, and pronghorn, they have a really short window that you can actually even kill one. Uh, yeah. Their season's short. And then like for black bear, each day that ticks by after October 1st, you know, your chances just go down exponentially really uh and so anyway i was lucky to to tag one on opening day nice nice board and, and uh went from from there i had to wait until elk season started which was started on like the fifth or sixth and then i started hunting there and was fortunate to kill a great bull on the eighth and then straight from there with elk antlers in the back of my truck i went all the way up to the tip of the panhandle and started bow hunting those pronghorns in that open country and was able to get my uh pronghorn on the 11th and uh and then from there i had two left uh for and then i had about three months to get those so the, the mule deer and the whitetail and, I, and of course i've had success with whitetail and i've had quite a bit of success with uh, mule deer but i never tried to bow hunt mule deer in oklahoma so well i have but i've never really really tried to bow hunt them it's always been with a rifle and i've killed i don't know four five six with a rifle but uh that turned into one of that that mule deer hunt turned into one of my better mule deer hunts ever uh oh, nice. in any state which was surprising and super cool and then you know i kind of took the whitetail for granted and uh kind of got myself in a tough hunt i was you know trying to kill a good deer uh, all the animals that i killed were, were really nice animals and uh, I wanted the whitetail to be a nice, a nice one and pass up some good ones and then finally got it done on New Year's Day. So 
which our season runs to January 15th. So I had two weeks to spare. Dang, man. What, what an intense year though. And to be able to do it all in your home state, like there's a lot of States out there that offer multiple big game tags. And even here in, here in Missouri, they're starting with elk and, and bear over the past couple of years. Um, to be able to find all of that stuff right there in your home state is amazing. And like you said, you're not viewed as one of these Western states that have a ton of big game opportunities. It's very overlooked. And I'm sure most hunters in Oklahoma kind of like that <laughs> instead of yeah. pressure from all the other states. But man, that's a that's an amazing feat. And to do it all with your bow, like, holy cow. Do you know if anybody's been able to accomplish that since you did it? Well, from my from my understanding, they went back ODWC. What I partnered with the, with the Department of Wildlife uh, after I did it, and you know, kind of let them know what I did, and, and then they got their blessing and their help uh, for a lot of the production aspects. Which that film that I put together, it's about a ninety minute film, uh, is is one of the the highlights of my production career. You know, as far as the story and then uh, putting it all together and just you know, frankly, the accomplishment, uh, I'm, I'm more proud of that than most anything I've ever done. Um, but well, to my knowledge, nobody has ever tagged all five ever, um, besides myself, they actually made a, a new category the state did, uh, called the Oklahoma slam. And they had the super slam, well, they had the Grand Slam and then the Super Slam. The Super Slam is all in one year, and the Grand Slam is a lifetime accomplishment. And I'm the first one in both categories, and to my knowledge, nobody has done it ever. And and then I happen to do it all in one year with the bow. So it's going to be it all on film. And yeah. got it all on film <laughs> with great. I mean, talking like I, I did this for a living. I've done it since '06. And like, I'm talking like all of the kills were like money, you know, like pretty, pretty, pretty stellar, <laughs> pretty stellar year um, that uh, it's going to be hard for me to. And then, you know, one thing that people don't, you know, I get asked a lot about the slam, you know, I also had a regular hunting schedule too that year. You know, I went to Colorado and killed a really, really big uh, mule deer, velvet mule deer in August. And then I killed a real big buck in Missouri in, in October. Uh, I, the only tag I left on the table that year was in Kentucky. So, uh, you know, I killed seven and both, you know, both those other two bucks, uh, were with a bow. So I had a really stellar year, uh, <laughs> that year for sure. Gosh, man, I've had, I've had one year that was like, I mean, far beyond anything else that I've ever done. And it was, I, I got a mule deer tag and then I had a whitetail tag uh already i was going elk hunting and i i was going to alaska and so i was like all right number one goal is to shoot a white tail a black tail and a mule deer all in one year and i was like man this is gonna be fun alaska was my first trip that year and um i got up there first day like had had a sweet buck that popped out and my wife and i we just hiked up into this public land area by ourselves. We started hiking late in the day. And I mean, we were in the heart of grizzly country, like big bear country on Kodiak Island. And yeah, the next morning we woke up right away, spotted a buck. I was happy to take, my wife was already ready to get down off the mountain because of (laughs) the bear encounters that we had. Um, She's like, yeah, I, I think her exact words were, I'm doing this because I love you, but I am not happy about it. (laughs) And, uh, so ended up getting that ended up after that coming back to Missouri shot. I think I, I got a white tail with my bow and a white tail with my rifle. Then I had my Colorado rifle season and shot a buck and a bull on the same day. And so I was like, dude, that's five antlered animals, which is far beyond anything I've ever done before or since. And up until that point, I don't. I didn't even have the podcast. So that was just kind of like me wanting to go out and accomplish something. So I was pretty pumped, but 
unfortunately only one of them was with my bow and i feel like your your uh like street credibility in the hunting world goes way <laughs> through the roof as soon as you pull out a bow it does i mean yeah there is a certain you know it's harder i mean for for the, you know for a good reason why yeah. it's kind of put up on a higher pedestal it is harder to get a a deer within you know your a comfortable archery range compared to a rifle no doubt uh your setups can be completely you know they have to be completely different with a bow and as opposed to a rifle or they generally are i guess sometimes i've killed a lot of deer with a rifle at 20 yards because i've been in my bow stands yeah uh yeah. but yeah i mean dude that five five bucks in a year especially if they're you know antler deer heck yeah you know that's a, that's an incredible year oh man it was it was so much fun and it was one of those things where looking back at it, I'm like, did that really happen? I feel like every <laughs> every one of them was awesome and special in its own way. But looking back, you're like, holy cow, man, what what an insane year. And it's almost like when you stack them up back to back to back like that, it almost takes away from it in a sense because like something about the struggle in your success adds to like the reward you get from it, if that makes sense. And so like, if you go years before getting a buck and then all of a sudden you shoot one, it's like the greatest thing. If you're so used to shooting them year after year, uh, it almost in a sense can become watered down. Not that it does for everybody, but um, I looked back and I was like, dude, that was the most insane year. And I remember all the details of each one, but uh, I don't know. It Part of it almost took away or part of it was almost taken away because it all happened so fast back to back. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta really take, and I've seen a lot of people get jaded, uh, with, with the whole hunting and traveling and killing, uh, like what you're talking about for sure. You gotta, you gotta make sure that you take a, take the moment and appreciate what's in front of you and what you've done and, you know, not take it for granted because, you know, any deer could be your last, any moment could be your last. And you don't want you don't want to, you don't want to look back and think that, man, I, I should have done something different, you know? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, so over there in Oklahoma, you'd mentioned all of these were over the counter tags. So it's not even like you have to draw for each one. You can actually just go pick one up. You can pick, you can. Okay. So I, I there is one small caveat. Uh, they are all over the counter so that you can get all five tags, you know, <laughs> With your phone, <laughs> oh, you know, on an app. Uh, but with the elk, you have to, there is no public land hunting for elk in Oklahoma. So you have to have private access okay. uh, to, uh, to, to, to hunt elk in the state of Oklahoma. Do uh, You can draw, fun fact, there is a couple of elk draws uh, in the state. And, and one of them I put in for every year because it's, it's a lifetime draw. Actually, I think all the elk tags are lifetime draws, but, uh, there's a lifetime draw, uh, in, in Southwestern Oklahoma in the Wichita national wildlife refuge. And, uh, I'm pretty sure that the success rate is like 90 something percent. I think the shot opportunity is hundred percent. Uh, and actually I think when I killed my elk in Oklahoma, I was about a half mile North of, of this fence. So it's a big 50,000 acre high fence, um, wildlife refuge. And, these elk have leaked out over the over the years and i was about a half mile from that on the open side so uh did you, you i've been on a lot of elk hunts and that elk hunt i got into down there was as good as any i mean it was it was probably the best elk hunt i've ever been in like you know it's got to be uh, i'm talking about new mexico colorado you know, all these places that i've been uh it, it's <laughs> it's up there you know it was incredible so if you get the right piece in Oklahoma, it can be pretty special. Yeah, that's but you awesome. can hunt. You can hunt the other four. You can hunt all four of the other four and uh, on public. So, dang, is do you know um, how much of it is over the counter for non-residents, or are some of those hunts off limits, or uh, only for residents? Oh no, they're all, they're all available for non-residents. Dang. I mean, I'm not exact. I'm not exactly for sure on how much the ta non-resident tags cost, but like, you know, it's definitely available for anyone. All right, guys, I need to take a quick second to tell you about a product that I've been using for quite a while now. It's called Bull Elk Beard Oil. If you've spent any amount of time in the outdoors, whether it's on the mountain, in the marsh, or in the woods, you've felt the effects of the wind, 
the sun, and the cold on your face. What this product does, it helps you look better, feel more confident, and it helps your beard keep its moisture. Not to mention, it smells great, so now my wife can't complain as much after I come home from a long week of elk hunting. Now I need to tell you, I've gotten to know Brian the founder over the past couple months, and he is an awesome guy. Brian made sure that all of these oils are made out of clean products right here in the USA. He also loves to give back to the outdoor community, whether that's through fundraisers for public land acquisitions, or even helping donate money to cover the surgery cost of duck dogs. He's an amazing guy, and he makes an amazing product. So go check out bullelkbeardoil.com and be sure to check out the subscription options so that you don't have to run out of your favorite facial hair product. Plus, you can use the code NOMADIC and get 20% off your order. Man, I'm going to plan this out, and me and you are going to be like blood brothers after this, but I'm going to plan it out to where I'm the first non-resident to ever complete it all in one season. Dude, you can, you, you can be the first non-resident, and you'd be the second person to ever do it, so make it happen. I've had a lot of people that that have, I've, it's crazy to say, but have been inspired by my story and have tried to do it, and, you know, it's hard. And Oh, yeah. I, I absolutely root for everyone. I want someone to go out there and, and kill all five of them in, in, a, in a week and, and all of them bigger than mine. You know, I, I, I want everyone to try it. I want you to come down and try it. I want everyone that's listening right now to come down and try it. I'm, I want to, uh, I love sharing. I love sharing the outdoors and I'm proud of my state. And I want people to come down here and experience it. Man, that's really cool. And the, the nice thing is, you know, there's always going to be bigger animals that are taken. Like mm-hmm. every record will be broken at some point, but to know that you are the first like that's cool that can't that can't ever change like you'll always be the first to have accomplished it so um man i just can't imagine like i i put in here in missouri we don't have over-the-counter tags yet for elk and bear and even just drawing one of them would be unbelievable it's like i'm not i'm not a superstitious person i don't think that I don't think that I'm super lucky. Um, I don't really buy lottery tickets, but every time I put in for for tags anywhere, I've got such high and unrealistic hopes that I'm going to be the one drawn, and <laughs> I, I get let down almost every time. Yep. Um, so you said you've got lots of trips this year, South Africa being one of them. What, right. what are you going for there in south africa (laughs) a lot uh not really i'm i'm actually not going for a lot me and my my partner in my world outdoors is going and then actually a buddy of ours um we're 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 going for planes game really that's what i'm after Uh, my number one thing that i'm after is a kudu uh and and most of the things that i'm going after i'm focusing with a bow i don't first of all i am not a bow snob just for the record but when I think about going on trips and planning a trip, I always like my brain just naturally goes to bow hunting. And, and on this one in particular, it's the same way. I'm, I'm, I'm really after a kudu with my bow, uh, a Gimsbach. Uh, I want a blue wildebeest, uh, a few Impala or two Impala for sure. Uh, and then, you know, whatever else tickles my fancy while I'm, while I'm there. And then of course, JC and I will be, will be filming each other. And so, I'm sure I know he's after like 10 or 12 animals. Um, so it'll be, it'll be, it'll be a fun action packed trip for sure. Um, yeah, man, going, going to South Africa would be a wild ride. And the, the array of animals that they have there is unbelievable. Like hearing about people going and hunting and shooting 50 to a hundred species, like people actually do that a (laughs) hundred different species and uh, it blows pretty my crazy mind. I, I can't imagine and what's what's also crazy is like texas they're starting to have basically african safaris in texas right. and yep. from what i understand is <laughs> you can actually spend more money doing it in texas than going over to africa and doing it um obviously it's closer to home but you know to have to have a premium uh hunt club that you're going and chasing after like a giraffe or a water buffalo that's gosh it's a whole different level of wildlife management 
what are what are you most looking forward to? I know you said kudu. Uh, is there something about Africa that that you've always dreamed of? Like, do you want to see a certain animal other than the ones you're hunting while you're over there? No, I don't have a, a desire to see a specific animal. I think that Africa, you know, as far as American hunters, um, there's a, it, you know, we talk about putting bow hunting up on a pedestal. Africa's up on a pedestal. You know, it goes all the way back to the, the turn of the century, the turn of the 20th century, when people are like, uh, oh gosh, I'm going to blank on all the actual names, but like people like TR, like Teddy Roosevelt that would go over there and, and, and tell his stories from there. There was a, who was the, who was the famous writer? Oh gosh, he kind of told. He was kind of full of himself. Leopold. No, well, yeah, Leopold was is, another, is a great one, but uh, I'm thinking of a, a specific. I cannot believe I'm blanking on his name. Anyway, the point is, is it's it's been romanticized for a hundred plus years uh, as far as being a destination for big game hunters, and and, yeah. and I think that maybe that's part of the allure uh, to me is is to to kind of be a part of that. Uh, I definitely want to go twice. Uh, so I'm going this time for these plains animals that I mentioned, you know, a handful of them. Uh, the, the next time I go, I want to go after maybe something else, you know, like probably I want to, I want to kill. I don't, I don't have a huge desire to kill like the big five, you know, like some people do, yeah. but I, I, I want to go after a cape at least once. And uh, it's not going to be on this trip, but you know, sometime I want to go after a cape Buffalo and uh, experience that adventure <laughs> would you do that with your bow or a rifle my, my brain is telling me a bow uh but <laughs> but i don't know what i would do you know well was and frankly when i go to africa this time i'm going my brain's gonna be telling me a, a bow when we're sitting over these water holes but you know i'm a hunter like i'm yeah like I, that's the way i think of myself and you know if if if, if, if it's not looking positive with a bow i'll whip that you know rifle out and let's go Let's go drive some roads, you know. Let's yeah. go get some. Let's go get some camp meat and, uh, you know, experience a, a new, a new, a new experience. So that it sounds like you're just a good old country boy. I, I've talked to plenty of people that are, are like, man, it's bow all the way. It's always bow. Like, uh, and and then people take it a step farther and they just do recurve. I am the guy that also likes to succeed, and so I'm like, man, bow hunting sounds awesome but I'm going to have a rifle as backup if, if, you know, the season allows for it. Yeah. If I can do it, let's, yeah, there's, that's the exact same way I am, man. I, uh, the, like you said, like experiencing, like the experience is what it's about for me. Okay. And the, and that, and that means what, what you're talking about, people that only bow hunt, people that only recurve hunt, that's that they would say this the exact same thing. But to me, you know, the experience of actually harvesting an animal, and then sharing that with people in camp and sharing that with your family, that's all part of the exact same experience to me. And, you know, whether I, I get to, you know, let's just say there's steps, so step one, two, and three, and, and, and the kill itself is they say step four, uh, whether I get to step four with a bow or with a gun, now I can go to step five, six, and seven. Uh, and, and, and I don't know that to me, that that's a part of the whole experience. And so I, I don't mind, shooting with a gun i don't mind doing what it takes to 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 have a, a successful hunt so i'm a guy like if, if the power went out tomorrow uh you'd want me you'd want me in camp because i'm going to come back with meat you know yeah. uh i would be the i would be the village hunter <laughs> so. dude there's times where i i almost fantasize about that where it's like man you know, everybody talks about the zombie apocalypse, the end of the world. And I'm thinking if I was, if I was one of the last people here, it would be so much fun. Like I'd be hunting all the time. I'd be eating great. I'd be going to all these States where, you know, I've always wanted to hunt or experience things. And uh, you know, the pack out might be worse if all my buddies are gone, but the, the amount of opportunities, even just like here in the city, I'm like, dude, I know of a park right now that I could go kill a slob this fall. And, uh, if the end of the world came and there weren't any rules, I'd be over there. Yeah. I, uh, I, I don't have fantasies of the zombie apocalypse like you, you, but <laughs> I can relate to that feeling. <laughs> uh, 
gosh. Um, yeah, it's it'd be fun, but obviously I would miss. But you know, you know, here's the thing though: like if you don't need a pack out, what are you packing out too? You know, if you're up yeah. in the mountains and you kill an elk, like, that's where you're at for a while. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I feel. I mean, in my mind, I've got like this awesome home base, and uh, I've got all the all the weapons that I've ever wanted, and a bunch of cool vehicles. But you know, in all reality, it would probably be a struggle, and I'd be withering away slowly. Uh, hopefully not. And hopefully, yeah, you'd be one of those guys that. on. You'd be one of those guys on a loan that just you know that tapped out, like or not tapped out, but I got meted out, you know, because they're too oh, like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, no, let me stay out here, and they're like, no, dude, you've lost too much too much yeah. weight and yeah, uh, you've lost you've lost 40 pounds in 10 days you need to you gotta Dude, go. my wife would love that right now i am <laughs> i am Perfect. slowly not even slowly anymore i'm just getting a dad bod and uh yeah. i think she'd love for me to go on alone lose weight real fast yeah dude you just gotta run you just gotta run and, and, and eat less you know I, I just solved your problem yeah yeah i feel like just not being lazy and eating junk food would definitely do it um yeah what so you've got a dream hunt coming up is that like your number one bucket list hunt and destination or is there no. something ahead that you still really want to experience uh alaska i definitely want to experience alaska in particular uh well two things in alaska and that's the moose and the caribou uh caribou is actually fun fact is probably on ahead of moose for me as far as uh i want to see the migration is what i want to see oh yeah I don't know if I'll ever see it, but I, that's what I want to see. I want to go, I want to be on those plains and that, that tundra. Um, while, you know, I can see uh, hundreds of thousands of animals that right there has been romanticized as well. And I don't know if that's even a thing anymore. Cause I know that the caribou populations are so much lower than they were even 30 years ago, 20 years ago. Uh, but that is definitely number one on my list. And of course a moose uh, is high up there too. <laughs> Uh, so those those two are number one and two, and then Africa is is right there. So, man, that is that's been my number one for a long time. Is moose with a bow in Alaska, mm-hmm. and I feel like doing a like a fly in float out hunt would be yeah. so awesome. Like just cruising the rivers. But again, I look at that and I'm like, dude, I would have to take a long time. Like I would not want to cut it short. I wouldn't want to be out there for you know nine days and realize dude i wish i had another nine uh so yeah. it'd be a multi-week trip but i want to go up there and just shed hunt too <laughs> i've been <laughs> seeing pictures of people and hearing about like you said the the great caribou migration well that's so many antlers that hit the ground in the same area around the same time and i've heard stories of people flying planes like bush planes over and you can see thousands and thousands of caribou sheds from the air that just go back into the dirt like yeah after after a couple of years or i i want to go and just pick up like a hundred of them and have the biggest shipping bill ever to get them all back to my house <laughs> yeah that's that sounds like a plan, sir. I don't know what the legality of that is, but I am I am supporting you in this decision. Dude, it would be it'd be a lot of fun. What uh have you thought in detail about what type of hunt you want to do, like for caribou? Um, would you yeah, do I, like a fly in and then fly out or horseback in or uh what are you looking at? Yeah, it'll be a float plane trip. I have uh I have one in particular already kind of halfway planned. My uh my dad one of his old army buddies lives in Alaska and, and he kind of has been wanting to do something for a long time. And, 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 and basically to be honest, I'll just tell you, the, I'll tell you the strategy. It'll be early season. It'll be before the migration. So we wouldn't actually see the migration on, on my first trip, but it would be, it would be a good way to kill a, a really big bull because what we'll do is early season, like in particular in August, uh, late August and early September, uh, these bulls, these, uh, moose are homebodies, you know, they're like whitetail, you know, they kind of oh. stay in a core area and they don't move a lot. So what we, what we do is we fly out and I don't want to give the, well, we'll fly out of Kotzebue, uh, up North, way up North by the Bering Strait, and then, uh, go and locate a, a bull that we want to shoot from the air. And then the idea is, is to land within a mile of wherever we spotted them, set up camp. You got to wait 24 hours after you, 
you know, you, you fly to, before yep. you can hunt, but, but spot one that we want to, we want to go after set up camp within a mile and then wait our 24 hours and then go. And then he said that basically if they're in a certain thicket, they'll be in that thicket tomorrow. They don't, they don't move a lot and, uh, you know, attack it that way. So that, that's the plan for my first trip. And then he said, there's, there's a lot of resident caribou that are still there, uh, on that particular, where we're going to go in that particular area. So we'll still have a chance at, at caribou. Uh, but the, the main focus of the trip will be moose. So dang. Yeah. I I'm jealous. I hope, I hope you have the time of your life and to get up there and actually chase like are they are they officially the biggest i mean they're the biggest land animal in north america uh as far as herbivores go but mm-hmm. is there anything is there any deer species bigger than that no moose is the is the biggest current deer uh alive yeah dang i didn't i didn't know if there was like even like how how big are kudu in comparison to moose I think kudu is more like uh, like an elk size, maybe even a little bit smaller. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think I think that their elk would be a comparable species for them. Okay. So. Man, that they're a lot of fun. Like moose. Yeah, moose are, are. Have you ever seen a moose? Yeah, I actually got to I got to join my buddy on a moose hunt in Colorado. He's the luckiest guy I know. He drew <laughs> a mountain goat tag and a moose tag. Uh, to one season in between those two so it was like one year a year off got the got the mountain goat the next year and dude we got into moose we were taking freaking selfies with moose in july when we were scouting this drainage (laughs) and they are the coolest thing and then he ended up getting one opening day and it was a tank awesome that's awesome dude they're like dinosaurs they're freaking it's a different thing like whenever you actually see one in person you're like that is not what i imagined that's the crazy oh yeah and i i always tell people i'm like i feel like god really had a sense of humor in creating the moose like one the way it looks but then the noise that it makes you see an elk and you hear it just scream out there in the mountains just bugling and it it'll make the hair on your neck stand up and then you have a moose and it makes the dumbest sound ever and for an animal that size i feel like it could blow you away with with its mating call and instead it's just like oh <laughs> yeah that's funny uh that's a good point <laughs> yeah uh, i don't know my brain always goes to weird places when i think of of animals and the sounds that they make and i don't know i just have i feel like my thought process gets away from me in a hurry <laughs> yeah that's funny. Well, I mean, I, it makes sense that you would think that a, a moose would have a deserving um, voice just to go along with its, you know, stature. So that makes sense. Yeah, I feel like it would be intimidating. You know, like it could just do some amazing call and scare away a wolf or a grizzly bear, or you know, when when they go to challenge each other, it's like the toughest, like the most manly two dudes yelling at each other before a UFC fight, and instead, it's the complete opposite. <laughs> anticlimactic yeah. yeah but man uh i i appreciate you hopping on the call with me today man it's it's no, been a lot of fun i know you've got a busy schedule i've got a busy schedule and so i won't take up a ton of your time but before we before we hop off the call would you mind sharing with everyone where they can go and and find the work that you do follow along with you see that video that 90 minute video of you killing all big five animals, um, things like that. Yeah. So like personally, I'm real active on Instagram. So if you want to follow me on Instagram, it's underscore BA underscore Adams. You can search Brandon Adams. I'm sure it'll pop up somewhere. Uh, cause it's not a very common name, so <laughs> I'm sure I'll be top of the list. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then, uh, and then, the, the actual, the, the our, my entity that I, that I own with my buddy, John Christopher is called my world outdoors. And, uh, you can hit us up on all the normal, social media platforms instagram facebook and then youtube is the main place i mean facebook actually facebook videos have been phenomenal for us and it's actually one of our key drivers as far as digital like viewership it's incredible i was i facebook basically has it's like youtube but it's on facebook uh but anyway if if you want to check out the slammed film it's called slammed and uh you can check it out on, on youtube 
you could just probably type in Brandon Adams slammed or Brandon Adams, my world outdoors and it'll, it'll pop up. So there's a ton of other content. I mean, a ton of content. We, we, uh, we put a bunch of stuff out there and, you know, uh, if I do say so myself, I think it's good. So, <laughs> um, definitely hit us up and subscribe on YouTube if you can. And, uh, yeah, man, I, I, I'm actually doing, I mentioned earlier, Texas, how I'm doing six species in Texas. I'm doing another slam film in Texas. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah. And that, that'll start in June. Uh, so I'm looking, looking forward to doing that and making another, another film and, and getting the state of Texas instead of con- contacting the state afterwards, like I did in Oklahoma, I contacted Texas beforehand and they're all about it. They're all for, they're going to help me with, uh, um, all kinds of aspects of the production. So really looking forward to seeing that come to fruition and hopefully we can have, uh, uh, a fraction of the success that I did in Oklahoma. So, man, that'd be cool. What, what species are the six that you're going after there? Is it, is it like a true Texas slam? I know they've got all kinds of, uh, non-natives now, but do they have their own like native species slam that you're doing? Yeah. So Texas actually has their own like already recognized slam and they only have three big game animals that are over the counter. Uh, okay. Uh, which is another aspect where Oklahoma is far superior than Texas <laughs> for all those Texas people listening. <laughs> no, uh, you're, you're losing have, followers for me, man. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Well, they can, they can unfollow me. It's fine. <laughs> uh, you know, they have, they have whitetail mule deer and pronghorn are the three over the counter tags. And then also included in their slam are those three, plus the javelina and so nice uh i'm doing those four plus i figured and like you said they have a huge list of non-natives that you could technically go after uh so you kind of got to draw the line somewhere so i picked a couple other animals that kind of encapsulates what i think of when i think of texas and one is an axis deer and the other is an audat and so uh i'm, I'm doing those six animals in, in in texas uh this fall well i say this fall like i said i'm starting in june so it's a, uh, it's going to be kind of a year, uh, all year thing. Dang. Yeah. Texas. I've, I've been there more this year than I've ever been in my life and seeing the amount of opportunities they have, like you said, there's a ton of non-natives, but even the native species. And then like people think of high fence everywhere. Well, there's also public land where you could potentially go and shoot. I, I need to, I haven't confirmed this yet. But somebody told me that because elk are non-native, there's not actually seasons or or bag limits for them. That is correct. You can do it year round. You can kill. I can go kill an elk right now if I wanted to. That is so crazy. Like, I feel like that is one of the animals that, you know, historically had a home range inside of Texas. And so, mm-hmm. although they've been gone for a long time, now that they're coming back, there needs to be more regulation. And I know I'm going to lose a lot of followers well, the by thing saying is, that the, as far as elk, Texans go. Dude, okay, so here, I, I, I thought about including elk in my Texas slam. And for good reason, like what you just said, they've been extirpated, you know, based off of, you know, human intervention. Intervic, intervic, uh, inter- intervention. Jesus. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, and then, uh, but the reason why I didn't is because, how do I say this? diplomatically uh frankly it just costs too much you can't find anywhere in texas where you know there you can't you can't less than fifteen thousand dollars for now and i ain't got no money you know i got not not, i ain't got that kind of money where i could pay fifteen thousand dollars for an elk and so uh that's why i didn't include it to be honest and there's no trades like you know uh, in the oklahoma deal i did a trade or i tried to do a trade and actually the landowner was all about what I was doing. And so he kind of just let me go out there for free. We, it, I, I lucked into that deal. It was a lot of work, you know, uh, which a lot of lucky situations are like that, you know, where you put in a lot of work and get these opportunities to take advantage of the opportunity. And that's what happened uh, for the Oklahoma deal in Texas. Nobody, they don't trade, you know, they, they know what they have and, and it's a commodity. And so I say all that to say what you, to kind of combat what you were saying where the state needs to regulate you know, these landowners are self-regulating their elk herds because it is a commodity form. And so their herd is going to grow and thrive because that is beneficial to uh, a certain subset of these uh, landowners. So. Yeah, yeah. no, that makes sense. I mean, they, they've definitely got a system where it seems like the public and 
the public, private, and government are all working together and kind of have things figured out to where everyone's happy at this point. And so yeah. as much crap as they get for the different things that they allow, all the non-natives that they have, the high fence, like everybody's got an opinion, right? But until you get down there and you actually see it all working cohesively, like it, I feel like you keep your opinion about it to yourself until you've experienced it. Like don't knock it yeah. until you try it, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Oh, absolutely. Hey, all pretty much all of South Africa is, is high fence. You know, the place yeah. that we're going, I think, is 100-plus thousand acres behind a fence. Uh, I've filmed in Texas many times, uh, low and high fence. And I've never filmed on, uh, on a small high fence, but, like, the I filmed on a 10,000-acre high fence before in South Texas. And, dude, there's no difference in the 10,000-acre high fence and the wild. You know, the only yeah. difference is, is that those deer, you know, and then I about said those deer can't get out, but they can. We've watched them jump the fence. I mean, they literally can jump the fence. It just discourages them from doing so. Uh, it, but but when you're in there in 10,000 acres, I mean, how many square miles is that? I mean, that's oh yeah, a lot. That's a lot of that's a lot of land. And like you said, if people have never experienced any any of these, uh, I'll, I'll give you a good example. Uh, just I mean, from I'm from Central Oklahoma, just down the road from me, a buddy of mine owned. Uh, it was 180 acres of high fence. Okay. Uh, that was behind the fence and he had a lot of deer on that. Yeah. It was a, basically a wild herd. Uh, nothing like, you know, freaky big or nothing crazy. Um, but they had this one deer that was like 180 inch deer. They knew he was there cause they had all kinds of pictures of him, obviously. Cause there was only a few places on that 180 acres they could eat. Well, they hunted that deer for two years, like hard and never seen the deer on the hoof. Dang. You know, it's 180 acres of, or maybe uh, it was a little more than a quarter uh, of, of high fence, mostly wooded, and they never seen the deer, you know. And so it's not a guarantee just because you're behind a fence that you're going to kill a monster. Well, and that's what people think. They think high fence means, you know, you, you can go out there with corn in the palm of your hand and the deer are going to come and eat from it. There yeah. are a lot of places that are way more wild that are high fence than than what your you know back 40 is especially like in texas see, yeah especially in texas and and my but i've got a couple of friends now that guide down there on big ranches and they're like dude i could take you out for three weeks straight and you would never see any one of the fences and we'd be in different yeah. areas every day and and then the other thing that they had mentioned to me is not only is it one helping the animals you know not not get out and create other non-native herds outside of the fence it's also keeping certain animals from getting in like my buddy my buddy his grandpa he just passed but he had 4500 acres down there they didn't have pigs on his property right. anywhere yeah, and pigs is the big one yeah and he's like dude just the fact if it was only for keeping pigs out everybody would still high fence because they cause so much damage and if you can prevent them from getting into your property, it's totally worth it. That is correct. So lots of lots of information on Texas there at the end. But Oklahoma is awesome. <laughs> yeah, great. Yeah, we love Oklahoma too. And Missouri. Yeah, Missouri's great too. Yeah, Missouri is good too. <laughs> Man, yeah. How where are you at in Oklahoma? Are you uh, I'm east, in west? central? I'm in central, like just outside Oklahoma City. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah that's not too bad. Uh Oklahoma's sweet, man. I used to give Oklahoma a hard time um, because everybody talked about Whataburger and I went there and I, I was less than impressed. But <laughs> other than that, all of my Oklahoma experiences have been great. Yeah. Is Whataburger, is that an Oklahoma company? I thought it was Texas. I think it's Texas, but the closest one to us is Oklahoma. So we literally drove, I think it was three hours to go get Whataburger. My buddy, my actually he was from Texas and he's like, dude, we got to go get it. And we left it. I think we left after a shift when I was in college at like 11 p.m. Drove three hours for Whataburger, and I was like, "Dude, this was not worth the drive at all." That is classic Harold and Kumar situation you got going on there. Oh, we've done that one too. Yeah, we drove an yeah. hour and a half for White Castle. Didn't like that yeah. either. Maybe I just need to quit <laughs> driving long distances only for yeah. food, and I won't yeah, be. Yeah, that is very accurate. Unless yeah. it's like an elk that's running around, then you can drive long distance away from that. Uh, see if i if i got to drive somewhere to harvest my own food it's a whole different story but to go get a fake like 
microwaved patty. Not not a fan of that. Not a fan. I got you. Well, Brandon, thanks again, man. I, I really appreciate it. And if you ever are in the southwest Missouri area, uh, give me a shout and we'll we'll try to set up a hunt or something. All right, brother. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, man. Absolutely. And that is going to wrap it up for today's show. Like I told you at the beginning of the episode, like this is going to be a great episode. And now, if it isn't for you, it definitely is for me. Oklahoma is on my radar as far as states that I need to go and hunt, that I need to start looking at tags in. And who knows? We'll see what this year holds, what next year holds as far as which states that I'm traveling to. But it's really tough being a podcaster, having all of these amazing guests sharing about their states and the opportunities that they have in each location and trying to figure out, man, where do I really want to put my time, energy, money into? Because I don't know, there's something about the lower, I'm really the U.S. as a whole, like Hawaii, Alaska, and the lower 48. There's so many opportunities here. And so it would be very difficult for me to branch away from this when there's still so much to experience right here close to home. So I hope you guys are getting out there and enjoying the outdoors, chasing after deer sheds or planting food plots or just gearing up, maybe traveling and doing some hunts. I know my buddy Weston, he just got back from a Canadian black bear hunt, and uh, I'm hoping to have him on the show here shortly to share all about how that went for him. But lots of stuff happening. Oh, and I don't know how this almost slipped my mind. You should be getting your draw results back. I know I'm waiting June 1st. I think some of my draw results come out and I can't wait. I'm I'm already gearing up for elk season. I'm really hoping, I doubt it's going to happen, but I really want to draw one of two moose tags that I put in for this year. Gosh, man, it, it would be so crazy. But anyways, I'm not getting my hopes up too hot. I'm being realistic about it. And that's what I got to keep telling myself, like stay grounded the odds are that you are not going to draw either of them for a lot of years to come. But I'm going to quit rambling. I hope you guys had fun listening to this show. And until next time, always choose adventure and God bless.